Well, good morning. How are we today? Good so far? Well, I want to say hello to everybody. If you're visiting here for the first time, just want to welcome you one more time. Glad that you're here. If you're watching online, I want to say hello to you. Glad you're watching, uh, and we hope to see you here soon sometime, uh, some way. I am so excited about today because we are starting a brand new series, and we're going to be looking for the next four weeks in one of the most encouraging, uplifting books of the whole Bible, uh, the book of Philippians. So I'm so excited about what God's going to show us over the next four weeks. So if you do have your Bible, Go ahead and grab those and open them up. Go ahead and find your way there to the book of Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be in chapter 1. So uh, as you're doing that, over the next four weeks, starting this week, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be digging in uh, together in this great four-chapter book. And we're going to be looking at this together with context and history and, and just all this great stuff. And we're going to be just be going verse by verse uh, until we get done with this book of the Bible. I think it's going to be a great, great series. I think it's going to be one of those series we're going to be talking about for a long time that we'll remember that God showed us something uh, pretty interesting in our lives. And that's my prayer. That's my hope. And that's my belief uh, that that's what's going to happen over here in the next four weeks. So a couple things before we get started. Uh, if you didn't already do this, I highly encourage you to bring your Bibles with you uh, during this series, especially. I always encourage you to bring your Bibles. But when we do a book of the Bible like this, and we do this a couple times a year, we go through a book, it's really a good idea to bring your Bible with you because I want that to be a living thing for you. Like if, if this is our instructions of, of who God tells us to be, man, I think it's a great idea to, to highlight some things, circle some things, underline some things. And so what that does is that kind of leaves like a trail of breadcrumbs uh, for you in your own Bible. And I think it makes it way more personal to you when you go back to it, but you're like, oh man, I remember what God showed me there. So, and, and I tested every kind of Bible. Uh, we did a huge test on this. Uh, every translation, every kind, not one Bible has exploded when, you, when it leaves your house. So, I mean, you can it, be safe. It's okay. No Bible explodes when it leaves your house. So you can bring it with you. Great idea uh, to do that. Uh, but joking aside, I really want you uh, to develop a practice of going into that book. And I'm all about electronics, trust me, I really am. But I really do think that you should develop a practice of going into that, that Bible, making it your own personalize you, knowing it in and out, so that one day when somebody does pick up that Bible, they know it's yours, that they're like, man, this is somebody's Bible. Just a good idea uh, to be doing that. So bring your Bibles, and if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles out there for you. They're blue and white. If you don't own one, take one at the end of this service. It's yours for free. Put your name in it. Bring it back with you. Just do that. Now, the other thing that I did say uh, is that we are going to go through this book, the book of Philippians, verse by verse uh, together, but we're not going to do it the way that you think we're going to do it. We're not going to do it by going through four 30-minute messages up here, verse by verse. Uh, we're going to be looking at things up here uh, for sure and going through each chapter, but you play a part in going verse by verse as well. We want to challenge you to be digging deep, to be learning yourself, to be reading uh, over this time too. So when you leave this morning, what we have for every single person here is a study guide through the book of Philippians. And so when you leave here, I want every single one of you, we have enough for everybody, to grab one of these. And this will take you over the next three weeks through the entire book of Philippians. Every week is a five-day reading plan, so you get two days off. You can do this. You can do, we got everything planned out for you. So you can skip two days and you'll still get it done. There's questions in here that you can answer. Uh, so take this on your way out. Highly, I mean, I just really encourage you to take these resources we make available to you. Uh, so take that on your way out and then talk about it. Like talk about what God showed you. Talk about it in your home groups. Talk about it at work with people. Talk about it with your spouse over lunch or over a meal or something. So, so take that. Take these resources. Uh, and I really believe, here's what I'm going to tell you. You will get out of this what you put in. 
Okay, you'll get out, and I really believe if you come here and you don't miss a week, or if you listen in and you tune in, and if you take one of those guides and you use that and you talk about it with other people, God will absolutely show up and he will show you some amazing things if you're willing to let him. If you do this, and if you're, and so if you're here and you want to go all in with us, you're going to want to take one of those guides. Uh, and we're going to be on Facebook talking about it a lot. We're going to use a hashtag so you can follow along with a hashtag. It's hashtag River Ridge Happy. It's in that guide. So you can just click on that and see what other people are talking about and doing. So, so take advantage of the resources we're giving you. It's going to be a great, great opportunity to see what God does. Now, we're calling this series More Than Happy. And so I want to start out this morning, before we get into Philippians 1, by asking a question. Here's a question I want you to think about. What makes you happy? What is it? What it makes you happy? Like when, when that question comes up, there's something you're already probably thinking about. But what is it? What makes you happy? Maybe it's uh, vacations, right? That's, that's what makes you happy. Or maybe it's playing with your kids, riding your motorcycle, your favorite sports team, scoring a goal unit. Like what is, you know, what is it that makes you happy? For me, uh, it's vacations. Uh, it's not so much vacations, eating on vacation. That's why, like my vacation consists of where are we going to eat and then after that, where are we eating? Like that's my, that's what makes me happy about vacation. Makes me happy. I like eating there. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, snow, snowstorms make me happy. Actually, I kind of know why. It's because then it makes me feel good about sitting around the house and doing nothing. And like, it gives me an excuse. I'm like, man, I love snowstorms or big rainstorms. I'm like, well, I can't do anything. Uh, I love snowstorms. What is it that makes you happy? Maybe, maybe it's not thinking right now about what makes you happy now, but maybe it's more uh, wondering what it is that can make me happier. Maybe that's something that's on our mind. Uh, when I plan out sermons and sermon series, what I do is I'll plan out, uh, you know, sometimes we're a year out in our planning, but then I'll kind of do a lot of searches on topics of things we're talking about. And so for this one, for this series, I did a lot of searches on the internet on happiness, just to see what the world talks about, what the world says about happiness. And uh, so I was getting uh, profiled by the internet minions out there. I don't know how that works, but I was getting profiled. I know it. Uh, because when I came back to the message this week, I got on um, a, a Bible website to, to do some reading, and there was a little ad that popped up. I'm not kidding you. And, and it said this. It said, 10 scientifically proven ways to make you happier. I had to click it. Like, I had to do that. And, like, and it wasn't like a Nigerian prince looking for money or anything. It was actually like an article that said it. So here they are, if you're ready for them. I'm not going to give you all 10, but if you're trying to figure out, hey, how do I get happier? Maybe these work. They're proven by science, I guess. So here we go. Just a few of them. First one is exercise. Exercise makes you happy. Now, this one's going to be like some mixed reviews on this, I think, right? It says that it releases endorphins that cause you to be happier, but I think some of us say it releases pain that causes me to have pain. Like, that's what... I don't know. Here's the second one. The second one is eat more chocolate. I say amen to that one. Uh, so here's what it says. It says chocolate contains tryptophan. That's the turkey stuff uh, that boosts serotonin in the brain. How many are on board with eating more chocolate to make you happier? I'm, I'm good. I'm game for that. I'll try that. Here's the third one. This is interesting. Breathing in citrus. Who knew? Get some oranges, breathe it in. Like you'd be happy. Here's what it says. Uh, it says citrus scents cause positive chemical reactions in your brain. There you go. Cut some lemons and you'll be all right. Here's the other one. Eat more mushrooms. Eat more mushrooms. Here's what it says. It says contain, they contain vitamin D that boosts serotonin. So you didn't even know this. Some of you are just a few cremini and portobellos away from being happier, right? And you're like, I don't care. My wife's like, I don't care. I don't want to eat any mushrooms. You know, I'll just eat more chocolate, right? I mean, here's the next one. Here's yoga. Yoga. Here's what it says about yoga. 
says that it, it eases depressive symptoms when you do yoga. Now, there is Christian yoga. Didn't know if you knew that, but there's Christian yoga. That doesn't move the needle for me to try that at all. I'm just saying there's Christian yoga. I'll eat more chocolate. I'm, I'm on the chocolate thing. I don't know. I'll just eat as more chocolate to balance that one out. And here's the last one. This is a great one. This one's just smile. Smile. They say just smiling, uh, you know, and you'll be happy. So you could try some of those. If, see if that improves your mood, I guess. I mean, that's what you could do. You could write those down. Uh, but here's, here's what I'm going to say, and, and here's the truth and reality. I think we all know this. When it comes to the things that we think make us happier, we say, you know, those are the things that make you happy. Whatever it is that you say, see, the truth is, and you know this, that there are certain conditions that need to be involved in order for happiness to be there and, and more importantly, stay there, right? For instance, I love watching WVU basketball games unless, like yesterday, they get beat. Then I'm not happy. I'm, I'm honestly not happy, right? I, I love snow unless I have to go shovel it. That doesn't make me happy, shoveling snow. I just like to watch the snow come down. But I have to shovel it, doesn't make me happy. Uh, Courtney and I, I love eating really, really good dinners with Courtney, a nice meal with Courtney. When I get the bill, sometimes I'm not happy with the bill. I'm just saying, I'm like, don't get the lobster. I'm just saying, you know, it doesn't make me happy. A guy named Paul, a long time ago, he wrote a letter to this church that he founded, and it's called uh, uh, Philippi. That's where he founded his church. And it was actually the very first church that was ever founded in Europe, in Philippi. And so he wrote this to his church. And the story of how he started this church is a great story. We're not going to talk about it, but it's in Acts chapter 16, if you want to write that down. It's an awesome story of how he founded this church and started this church uh, in Europe. And so, uh, but he started this church in about 52 AD. And this is about 10 years later after he founded the church. He wrote them this letter. And he wrote this letter for a few reasons. First reason why Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians is that he had a huge love for this church that he founded, and he wanted to mature them a little bit in their call and their understanding of advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was one of the big reasons why he wrote this letter. That was one. And the second reason was that he wanted to encourage them and thank them because they were sending resources to help him in the ministry that he was doing around the world at that time. That's what, that's what he was doing. But... With those two reasons why, the primary motivator of why Paul and behind what he was writing is that he wanted this church to learn something that I believe God wants us to learn today, and it's how to have joy no matter what. And why I'm really confident about that is because of this, because in this little four-chapter book that's really not that long at all, the word joy or rejoice is found 14 times in this little letter. It's found a couple times in every single chapter. It's a consistent attitude that Paul has and wants all of them and us to have here. Check out what he writes here uh, in the book of Philippians. This is in chapter 4. We won't go past uh, chapter 1 after this, but here's what he says. He makes a bold statement. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. Now what's crazy about that is that he wrote that line in this entire book from prison. He wrote it when he was in jail. Just let that sink in for a little bit. This book that implores us to rejoice always was written from a guy in prison. In prison. So let's get into this a little bit. Let's start reading this. Let's go into Philippians 1 and kind of flesh this out a little bit. We're going to pick this up in verse 3 and just see how he starts this letter uh, to this church from prison. Here's what he says. He says in verse 3, I thank my God 
and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. This is a great beginning to an encouraging letter, isn't it? I mean, it's great. He is just like, man, I want to encourage you. I'm so thankful for you. I have incredible hope for you. Uh, And he's so thankful. And then he even says this thing. He goes, I'm absolutely sure that God is just going to carry out everything that he's going to. So don't worry. Be happy. It's an amazing beginning of this. But he's in prison. He's in prison. And it, he just kind of brushes by it like it's a minor inconvenience. He just kind of says, and eh, I'm in prison. Uh, but it, so for me, I think about that. I, I, if I were in prison and I wrote you, River Ridge Church, a letter, okay, from prison, the first thing you would not think about after this letter was read to you was like, boy, that Andy's encouraging. I'm just thinking because the first thing I wouldn't write to you, I was like, boy, I love you. Uh, you're on my heart. It would be Help! get the innocence project, get me out. I didn't do anything. Like that's what, I'm just saying, that's what I would write. So it's really amazing what's going on here. But Paul, see, he lays down the gauntlet. He lays down the gauntlet. He says, listen, it's possible. And I'm experiencing right now to be so full of joy, no matter what happens, that you can rejoice in it always, always. I'm confident of it. It's amazing. Paul's saying, God is telling you today that there is something that can happen. There is a place that exists for you where you can be more than happy, even when the circumstances aren't working out, even when the conditions aren't perfect or going wrong. You can be more than happy, listen, gang, even on the bad days. That's why we're talking about this. And there will be bad days. And I know you're probably thinking, well, geez, Andy, can you be a little more positive? Yes, I'm positive you will have bad days. Uh, and that's what, but here's what he's saying. He's saying there is something that joy does, even in the bad days. And joy, gang, listen, isn't the same as happiness. It's different than happiness. This is what Paul's trying to mature us in. And don't get me wrong, happiness is great. Like, I go after happiness. I want to be happy. I use that word happy a lot in my life. Uh, It's not wrong. Uh, But, gang, this is so important to get. And this is why we're spending four weeks on this term joy. Here's what I want to tell you this. So catch this, please. Listen. If happiness is your life's goal, or if it's what you think God wants for you, you're dead wrong. You're dead wrong, and that's not what you're going to find. And you're going to be disappointed not only in yourself, but also in God a little bit if that's what you think is going on in your life. You're just dead wrong. And each week, because here's what we're going to talk about, there is a contrast to this word happy, and it's this word joy. And that's what we're going to be going after today. And each week we're going to look and find a key that Paul gives us to having lasting joy in your life that's not happiness. That's not what he's going after. In fact, God has something that's more than happy, and that's what he wants for you, my friends. He wants you to be more than happy, and that's what he wants us to find. Are you interested in finding that? I am for sure. So I want to talk about that over the next four weeks. So real quick, uh, it's already up there. Real quick, what we're going to talk about are three differences that we're going to find here between happiness and joy because they are worlds apart before we get into Philippians 1. So I want to, and this is something that you write down, but I would write down your Bible, write it down somewhere where you're going to keep bringing it back. We're going to be using this as a reference guide over the next four weeks and probably for the rest of our lives. So let's go through three differences between happiness and joy. And here's the first one. Happiness is external. If you're taking notes, joy is internal. 
So there are, there are things that, that go on outside of us, right? Things that are just, they just happen, right? They happen all the time. It's unpredictable. Uh, it's kind of like winter in West Virginia, right? You get snow one day, then it's 65 and sunny the next. Like, what do you do with that? It's like so unpredictable. You just never know. And, and here's the thing, gang. So many people walk through life without even knowing that they're allowing what's happening outside dictate your state of well-being. The external stuff, the things that you can't control. You see, but joy... Joy is different. Joy means you have this thing inside of you, and, and it causes you that it happens in the middle of the worst days to still be confident about something in your life. It's really amazing. It's not based on the circumstances going on. It's different. So listen, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm just going to throw this out there right here. There are miserable Christians, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm not going to sugar. There are, there are Christians walking around pretty miserable in their life, and it's just true. Uh, and here's the deal. This is what I'm going to tell you. They are not miserable because of their problems. They're not miserable. They are miserable because they are letting what happens on the outside shape their life. Now, think about this for a second. I mean, think about this. Have you ever seen two people going through the same exact circumstance but have two reactions to it? Well, sure, we see it all the time because one is allowing what's happening on the outside to dictate their state of well-being, and the other is just not. Here's what I want to tell you in this one, gang. Listen, if, if you are letting what's going on on the outside determine your attitude, guys, you're going after happiness, not joy. It's a big difference. Check out number, uh, what 2 Corinthians 4 says. Here's what it says. It says, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Major difference in joy is that it's on the inside. And what's on the inside is so changed that here's what's happening. The stuff on the inside is just not going to be as influential to me in my life. Big difference there. So that's, that's the first reason. Second difference, uh, and this might be the biggest difference, is because this is one you either get it or you don't. You either have it or not, and it's this. It's that happiness is based on people and things. Joy is based on Jesus. So I want, I want you to catch this. Um, I want to, and I didn't look this up. This is kind of as I've been studying joy over the last, you know, uh, years of my life being uh, a Jesus follower. I, I found that this kind of helps me understand joy. So I kind of define it. If you want to write this down, here's what I believe joy is. Here's joy. Joy is a deep confidence and a complete satisfaction in an object. That's Joy. Joy, it's a deep confidence and a complete satisfaction in object. Now, here's where it gets tricky, gang. Where it's tricky is the object. You see, the object is what makes all the difference in this definition. Let me explain. See, joy, not happiness again. We're talking about something different. Joy is found only when the object you have satisfaction in is something that doesn't have any problems and it's something that never changes. And here's why it's so important. It's so important that you have that because then and only then will it never let you down and will always stay the same. Okay, those are crucial in having something that gets you beyond happiness more than happy. You need those two qualities. So um, I love my wife, right? I love my wife. She compliments me in, in so many ways. She takes care of me. She loves me. She brings me balance. She helps me. She's an incredible partner. But let me tell you what she's not good at, okay? She was already here in the first service. She already heard it. Uh, and you're like, be careful, Annie. I'm like, I'm careful, okay? But here's what she's not good at. She's not good at being perfect and never changing. In fact, she's terrible at it. 
And listen, here, I want you to chime in on this. I want you to listen in. Listen, because I know that, and because I love her more than any human being in the world, it is unloving of me to expect her to be the thing that makes me happy. Are you tracking? It's unloving for me. Because, I mean, think of the weight on her if that were actually true, that it was her job to make me happy. Listen, it's not fair, gang, and more importantly, married people, listen up, it's not her job. It is, listen to me, it is not their job to make you happy. So Courtney and I, we just, we just don't put ourselves in that position. Because here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the full. Jesus said, listen, make sure that no one takes your joy from you. You see, joy comes from Jesus. So because I put my because I put my joy in Jesus, see here's what happens in our marriage. That frees Courtney up to be exactly who she was made to be in my life and vice versa. It frees me up because she puts her joy in Jesus to be exactly who she needs for me to be in her life. See, if you're looking to someone or something to get you there, then you're going after happiness, not joy. And that will lead to some bad things, especially gang in a marriage. It's, it's honestly just my opinion. It's why I believe there's so much turmoil going on in marriages around us, even in the church. I think we're looking at the wrong thing to make us happy, and then we look other places to get us there, and that's just not who God calls us to be, never called us to be like that in a marriage. So joy is found in Jesus, and that's a journey we go on every day. It's like, you know, it's not just a state of mind. It's not, you know, like, if you think that just because Courtney and I are like, yep, we, we don't make each other happy and we're good to go, you have a really high standard of us. Like, we have to work on that all the time, all the time together. We have to keep reminding each other. And, and if, if you were here a couple weeks ago, we talked about that process. It's called the process of discipleship. We need to be discipled and get, becoming more and more like Jesus every single day. It's work. It's a process. It's what we do. So, so that's another difference between happiness and joy. Happiness comes from things and people. Joy comes from Jesus, and that's just a big difference. Here's a third one. Third one, if you're taking notes. This is the last one. Happiness comes by chance. Joy comes by choice. So um, here's the problem with happiness. I don't know. What do I think? It's not up to you. Like, it's not up to you. It, there's so many outside things happening, but honestly, if you think about it, happiness, just in that, it actually has a lot to do with kind of luck. It has to do with all the things falling in place and everything working out the way it should. You know that, right? Like, it, it's, just, it's just not up to you. But joy, gang, here's what's different. Joy is up to you because it's a choice that you make. As a follower of Jesus, you choose this. This is what we're going to talk about. And this is the first key that we're going to be looking into this morning, how to find lasting joy through Paul's story. Paul, here in a minute, he's going to give us three choices that he makes in Philippians chapter 1. So we're going to get to it. Grab your Bibles there. Grab your notes. We're going to be talking about three choices that Paul makes to make him more than happy and actually allow that joy in his life to stick and stay. So we're going to read this and pick it up in verse 12. Now, why I hope you take this guide is this week in your reading, you're going to read through verse 9 where he has the most beautiful prayer for this church. And so I'm going to tell you, take that guide. It'll go you through. It's a great prayer. But he prays for the church, and then he picks this up in verse 12. Here's what he says. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Okay, so Paul starts here in verse 12 by saying, yeah, I'm in jail. And, and by the way, when he was in jail, he was chained to a guard 24-7. But he goes, you know, this can't be all bad. He made a choice in what was going on, and it was a choice that we can make too. So the first choice we can make if you're taking notes is that at some point in time, we have to stop asking, why me? Some point, 
you know, what's happening, what's going on in our lives. We all do it. Like we ask the question why we do. I, I think we're all human beings. That's why we do it. I think everybody does that. It's normal. And we would be robots if we didn't do that. But here's, here's what I want to say. What's unfortunate is that a lot of us stop there. And a lot of us actually stay there for a long time. And here's the truth. And again, uh, uh, it's hard, but I'm not up here just to say the easy stuff. The truth is, gang, listen, there there are not always a lot of answers in that question. There are not a lot of answers. I have questions in my life. There are things that happened in my life, and I have questions about it. They're not answered fully. I have questions for God about it. and I have some questions. I hope there's a Q&A in heaven, right, where we're just kind of sitting. And then I can actually deal with it with a heavenly brain and not this Andy brain. Like, you know, like I feel like at that point I could deal with it, right? Like right now I'm like, I can't deal with something. Like, but, that, you know, we have that. But here's what I need to remember. And some of you, gang, listen, this might be one of the biggest changes that you'll experience here right now in this point. So check in. Some of you right now, you're stuck in a why me circumstance. And you've been stuck there for a long time. And I'm going to tell you something. I've gone through it. A lot of us have gone through it. Gang, listen, I want to tell you something. God never promised that the troubles disappear when you follow Jesus. He never promised that. And we expect that that's just, but he never, in fact, he says the exact opposite, gang. Listen, look at what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said. He says, in this world, you are going to have trouble. Do you know why he said that to us? Look, he says, so that you may have what? Peace. See, once you start to understand the promises of God, then you'll have peace with whatever's happening. We, sometimes we just don't even understand what God is telling us. We just believe, well, no, I should be trouble-free. Trouble no, that's not what he promises. He goes, but you can have peace when, because then you'll know through me I can lift you up out of this. I can do it. So that, that's what's happening. We all ask why. But at some point, at a certain point, it's dangerous if we keep asking why me. It's just dangerous to stay there. Let's keep reading verse 13. Let's see the second thing that happened. So first point was, was that we've got to stop asking why me. Let's go to verse 13. It says, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Second choice that Paul makes here is he says, well... Uh, my plan to preach to the town and the crowds didn't go so good, uh, so I guess I'll just preach to the guards and the prisoners. And what happens is the entire prison comes to Jesus, and all the prison guards are talking and knowing about Jesus. It's amazing. That's a choice. That's a choice. He could have been in the prison going, see, this is what happens when you follow Jesus. You go to prison. Grumble, grumble, grumble. And we don't do that, right? We don't grumble. Like I'm just saying, but he, he could have done that. But he didn't do that. He, he looked around and he made a choice and he thought, well, what can I do now? And that's what we can do too. So we stop asking why me. And here's the second choice that Paul made a weekend. We could start asking what now? We could start asking what now? Gang, this question is where you discover the great things about God. That question right there. Because God is always working on something bigger and better than you could ever imagine in anything you're going through. You ever think about that? He's always, he's always working on something powerful in what's happening. I really want you, and I really want you to think about Paul for a second as you're writing that down. I really want you to think about Paul. Like if there is anybody, and I know you got things going on, I know you got problems, I know you got circumstances. If anybody has a complaint against God and is and is ready to give up on joy and has an excuse for that, it's Paul. I mean, here's what I'm gonna tell you. I don't know if you know much about him. He wrote, Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and he wrote most of that from prison. So he looked around and he goes, well, I guess I got time to write. So he just wrote most of the New Testament in prison. That's what he did. And then when he wasn't in jail, it's not like he was sipping lemonade on a cot or something. Like, here's what happened in his life. Um, He was lashed. 
He was beat to almost dead with rods multiple times in his life. He was stoned, not recreationally, like rocks. He was like stoned, like real rocks. He got shipwrecked like five times, okay? And one of the times he got shipwrecked, he tells the story, he got shipwrecked. He drug himself onto shore, water or whatever, and a viper came out of the woods and bit him in the hand and he almost died. Come on! All this to say, all this to say, I don't think things are going according to Paul's plan, okay? I'm just like throwing that out there, trust me. This is a, this is a take-home thing for us to think about in our lives, gang. This is what I'm going to tell you. What am I going to tell you? Here, listen. The sign, the signs of a mature follower of Christ is how we deal with, not avoid struggles and problems. Jesus said we're going to have them. So the sign of a mature believer is how a person responds to not avoid suffering. So let me ask you a question. How do you, how do you respond to suffering? It's an important question. How, how do you do it? You're not unlucky. You're not unlucky, gang. Jesus said, you're going to face this. You're going to face it. That's not the difference between you and Paul over here. You want to know the difference? Here's what Paul does. Paul goes, I'm choosing to focus on the promise, not the problem. I'm going to just live my life like I believe the promises that come, regardless of whatever problems I face. And that gang transcended this thing of happiness that we think God wants us to have. It's amazing what he did. And, and it's, what's funny, we see Paul saying there, hey, there's something good in this. I'll find it. Every time, every time. All right, let's keep reading. Find the last choice here in verse 15. So we stop asking why me. We start asking what now. Let's pick this up in verse 15. He says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So this is great. So what he was saying right here, Paul starts talking about some other people either taking advantage of him being in prison, and then what they're doing is they're like somehow competitive with him, and they're preaching about Jesus, but they're doing it in spite or for spiting Paul. They're like, well, either I'm going to be better than Paul, or I'm going to replace Paul. Like, that's why they're doing it. They're still preaching Jesus, and some are just trying to advance themselves or maybe get something out of it, gain personally. But this is great. This is such a great attitude. Paul goes, what's the matter as long as Jesus is being preached? I'm good. It's amazing. I mean, what do you do with a guy who has this kind of attitude? You know what the answer is? Nothing. You can't do any. You can't get him off his game. Impossible. Amazing. Third choice Paul makes. Third choice we can make today if we're followers of Jesus is this. You got to keep asking who matters. You got to keep asking who matters. Guys, listen, I hope you know this. At the end of the day, you know this, right? There's only really a few things that matter. You know that, right? There's, there's only a few things that really matter. So, so let me ask you this. I want to ask you a real question here. How often do you focus on the wrong people for what really matters in your life? Like, I'm just asking. You know, you look at Facebook. You, know, you look at all these, what people are saying, all the buzz. And I mean, listen, I think so many of us pay way too much attention to the least life-giving stuff. That's going to mess you up, guys. 
We pay more attention to the least life-giving people and things in our lives, and that stuff will tear you up. It will completely get you off your purpose. It will completely get you off your game. So Paul says, I'm not messing with that. What's it matter? It's just so that Christ is preached. I'm all about Jesus, not me, Jesus, not them, Jesus. He's saying, you, he's telling, he's like, you're focusing more on things that get you fired up and all angry and making a stink. I'm just not doing that. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord because the Lord is the only thing that matters. It's unbelievable. Gang, right here, for some of you, this might be one of the most changing things that you'll ever hear. That, that, that you need to stop focusing on other things and people and start focusing on what really matters. That can make one of the biggest impacts in your life, Christian. I'm telling you. Gang, at the end of the day, if you are a Jesus follower, there's only a few things that really matter. And Paul doubles down on this in verse 21. It's awesome. This is how we're going to end. But this is what he says. He says, hey, I'm going to stop asking why me. I'm going I'm to start asking what now. I'm going to keep on the path of who really matters. And he says this in verse 1, because, because for, me, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. What's he mean by that? You know, I think we've heard that scripture so, so often, like if you, especially if you've been going to church, or you're going to church, like we hear that a lot, for me to live as Christ. What's he mean? Here's what he means. This is really uh, unbelievable. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, because I know Jesus and because I know joy the way I know it, there's no way I can lose. I win. It's unbelievable. And here's why he's saying it. He's saying, there is nothing you can do that affects my attitude and purpose. There's nothing you could do. If I live, then I'm going to live to preach Christ. I'm going to live to just keep winning people over to Jesus. I'm going to be talking about Jesus, and that's if I live. And if I die, I get to be in heaven with Jesus, and I don't get to be with you dingbats trying to bring me down. It's all the better. Like, that's what he's saying. It's unreal what he's doing. It's amazing. It's amazing what he says. And so I want to end this morning because we're going to be talking about this for, for the next three weeks. And I hope you're dialed in on this. we got a lot more to talk about. God has a lot more to say about what joy looks like in the life of a follower of Christ. But I want to end with this thought. I want you to think about this. And I want you to maybe write this in your Bible and think about this for the rest of your life. Because this thing will be so profound. Here it is. For me to live is what? What is it? How you fill that answer in. It'll tell you, gang, listen, if you're going after joy or happiness, what are you choosing there? Don't believe you're not choosing something. Don't believe you're being passive in that answer right there. For me to live is what? We're going to look outside. Trust me, we're going to have the tendency to look outside to things. We're, we, we will have the easiness to allow other people to influence our happiness. If we don't think about it, that's just what's going to happen. We're going to keep trying to let our spouse or stuff get us there or... Or we can really believe that there is something here, that God has something here for us, and now that if we choose it, it will make us more than happy. More than happy. That's what we're going to after. That's what the next four weeks is about. That God does have something for you to make you more happy. Because here's the thing, more than happy people, they fill that blank in with one thing, Christ. For me to live is Christ. That's how they do it. That's a choice they make, and that's a choice we can all make today. It's a choice we make. That's the bottom line today, that this is about choices. Next week, we're going to talk about another key in chapter 2, but this day is about a choice. We get to make that choice. How do you fill in that blank? How you fill in that blank will determine whether you're going after joy or happiness. So what is it for you? What do you live for? 
Look at your actions. Look at what you're doing. Look where you're spending your money. Look at, you can find reasons and ways to actually understand how you're filling that blank in. And I just, God is like, man, I got something better. I got something better. I got something that will make you more than happy. He's not concerned with your happiness. His goal is not your happiness. It's your joy. And it's something better. So let's pray this morning and, and, and just ask God to help us understand that more. God, we come to you and we thank you, first of all, for Jesus. We thank you for sending your son to die and come back, like Chad said, so that we can have eternal life, that we could come into a right relationship with you, that, that you made that possible. And now, through that decision we can make, through what you did on the cross, we can actually have a purpose in our life. And then you give us this meaning with this word joy. Thank you, God, that you actually have us something worth pursuing, something that can stick, something that's better than the circumstances or or what we think it takes to get happy, but you have something that's way more solid than that through Jesus. We have joy for us that will transcend any circumstance that will actually help us be more than happy no matter what. Help us get there, God. Help us get there. Help us understand. Show us something. We pray for all this in Jesus' name until we see each other again. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, that concludes our service. Do not forget to grab, if you're all in with us, grab one of these on your way out. We're going to be handing to you. And if you're interested in missions, Next Steps Room right now, if you want to take, we would love to send you on a missions trip. Hey, we'll see you next week, and we're going to talk about the next piece of joy.